0: Welcome to the Galapod, with me, Galapasidia. In this episode, I'm reading part 8 of my fic, Scaredy Cat. If you're not here for dry fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Content warning, this story deals with themes of depression and PTSD. I hope you enjoy, Scaredy Cat. Chapter 15 A few days later, Pansy Parkinson showed up on Harry's doorstep with a suitcase. Can I move in? she asked then barged inside. "'Um, sure?' said Harry, shutting the door and following her to the kitchen. "'Are you okay?' Pansy burst into tears. This seemed to be happening to Harry a lot these days. He patted her awkwardly on the shoulder. "'There, there,' he said, because he couldn't think of anything else to say. And it worked, because Pansy stopped crying. "'Housemate rules,' she said, sniffing. "'I hate blue cheese. You can't have blue cheese. The smell makes me gag.' I don't like blue cheese. Pansy, what's going on? I just fancied a change of environment. All my flatmates are drug addicts. Right, said Harry. Pansy flung herself into a chair. Blaze is such a cunt sometimes, she said. Yeah, said Harry. He definitely is. What did he do this time? Said he didn't believe I was actually going to get clean. Said I always said that. Said it didn't make a difference. Huh, said Harry who felt this was not, in fact, one of Blazer's cuntier moments. "'Well, I've moved out, haven't I?' said Pansy. "'You have,' said Harry, and put the kettle on. "'And you're in love with him?' "'I hate him,' said Pansy. "'That, too.' "'I need to get a job,' said Pansy. "'I thought you were an heiress,' said Harry. "'I've asked my parents to cut me off. "'Oh, do you mind if I owe you rent for six months?' "'You know this is not the way these agreements are usually arranged,' said Harry." "'I could ask Mummy to send you some money, I suppose,' said Pansy. "'But I don't want to speak to her ever again. I'm too ashamed. "'You ask her. Can you get me a job? Can I smoke in here?' "'No,' said Harry. "'Fuck,' said Pansy. From this inauspicious beginning, Harry had worried that living with Pansy would be, at the very least, tumultuous. But in fact, she turned out to be a rather conscientious housemate. Particularly because she avoided all situations where people might conceivably get away with doing drugs and seemed to want mainly to sit on the couch watching television.' I bought you a television, she said, the first day Harry came in and found her watching Oprah. With what money? asked Harry. My trust fund? said Pansy. I thought your parents cut you off, said Harry. Pansy looked confused. Not my trust fund? Right, of course. How stupid of me. He pointed a finger at her. You have to pay rent. Pansy had the nerve to actually pout. Ugh, fine. Come watch with me. Harry texted Draco a selfie of him and Pansy. Hello, from me and my new housemate. Explain yourself. Can I call? Draco was stunned. So she's just. quit? Seems that way. And she's living with you. Yeah, unexpectedly. She's actually pretty great, though. We have a laugh. Of course she's great. She's Pansy, my future wife. You're marrying Pansy? We have a deal. If we're both single at forty, we'll get married in a massive cathedral and make everyone buy us extravagant gifts. She's really quit. I think. God, said Draco. I wish I was in London. I'm missing everything. How's it going over there? Oh, fine. Chet and Draco take on the world. You know how it goes. Chet again. Harry wondered how exactly it went. How are you, Harry? I've been okay, said Harry. I actually want to know, said Draco. Harry laughed his heart pulling inside him. Yeah, he said, I know you do. And I am actually okay, just now. He didn't say, I miss you. He didn't say, I'm still hoping for you, or I'm scared I'll always love you. Dean and Seamus broke up, rather improbably, over a game of charades. They were on opposing teams, and Seamus was trying to make his side guess the life and times of Tristram Shandy gentlemen. Seamus was spectacularly good at charades, to the point where if you had him on your team, the other team got to have an extra round to make up for their disadvantage. In his two minutes, Seamus successfully got his side to guess the life and times of Tristram Shandy, which was quite a feat given that no one in the room had ever heard of the book. "'Time,' called Marcus. "'You didn't get gentlemen,' said Dean. "'So?' "'I got every other word,' said Seamus. "'Doesn't count. You wouldn't give Luna the point when we guess water but not fall.' "'Come on, Dean, don't be a pedant.' said Harry. Seamus's team were making outraged sounds, but it was all in good humour. Very few among them were actually competitive. Marcus was a terrible loser, so he never played, he just kept time. But Seamus stood at the centre of his sitting room, his face pale and his fists bald. You know perfectly well it counts, he said. Sure, if you're a cheater, said Dean, and Seamus gave a strange sort of shriek. Everyone fell silent at once. Get out, said Seamus his eyes burning into Dean. Get out! Get out of my house! Get out of my life! Get out! Dean stood. His expression held so many different things Harry couldn't begin to guess at it. He stepped forward, took Seamus in his arms. Seamus went quite floppy and let him. And kissed him as if he was the only thing that mattered. I'd love you if you let me, he said. Fuck off, said Seamus. Okay, said Dean. Okay. He looked at Seamus with that complicated expression once more, then left the room. Seamus temporarily moved in with Harry and Pansy, a fact Harry only discovered when he got home from work and found Seamus and Pansy eating ice cream from the carton on the floor of the front hall. "'Bad day?' asked Harry, sitting in between them. Pansy passed him a spoon. "'Pan said I could move in with her,' said Seamus. "'This is my house,' said Harry. "'Oh yeah,' said Seamus. "'Can I move in? "'Just for a few weeks. "'Don't fancy being alone just now.' Yeah, said Harry. I guess so. He pretended to be put out about it, but secretly he was quite touched. The idea that Pansy and Seamus both saw him as a refuge made him feel strong, or useful at least. Harry hadn't known that Pansy and Seamus were so close. They made constant references to things they had done together. God, how nice was that villa in Croatia? And kept pulling Harry aside to talk to him about each other. Do you think she's using secretly? asked Seamus. Don't let Seamus cook by himself, said Pansy. He always blows things up, and he does it on purpose. Seamus turned out to be a much more trying housemate than Pansy. He did, indeed, blow things up on a nearly daily basis, and it became much less funny when Harry realised the degree to which it was true what Pansy had said. That he was doing it on purpose. Or, more specifically, that he was purposefully and recklessly not trying to preserve himself. Harry once caught Seamus closing his eyes before he crossed a busy street. It's why Dean couldn't handle it, Pansy told Harry one night. She had let herself into Harry's bedroom, and sat at the foot of his bed, painting her toenails. I mean, he was a real shit to Seamus, and there's no excuse for it. But Dean got tired of feeling like Seamus just wanted out. That's complicated, said Harry. Everything's complicated, said Pansy, letting her dark hair fall in front of her face like a curtain. Everyone. Harry had another bad period after Seamus moved in. But he thought about Seamus closing his eyes before he crossed the street. Lee Jordan taking polyjuice. Pansy taking drugs, Ron getting drunk and shouting at strangers. He thought about Draco saying he was actually totally fine, he was just hungry, he was just hot. "'I get these, um, bad weeks,' he told Hermione. She didn't look up from the laminated menu of the pub where they were having lunch. "'That's understandable,' she said. "'What kind of bad weeks?' "'Just hard to do anything. "'Or think. "'Or manage.' It sounded stupid. Harry still said it. Because maybe he wasn't the only one who was having a hard time managing, and oddly, that thought made things easier. Hermione looked up. That sounds really difficult, she said. Yeah, said Harry, appalled to find he was on the verge of tears. Yeah, it's a bit shit. Draco helped a little when he was here. But actually, nothing helps that much, it just happens. Do you want advice or sympathy? Uh, both. Hermione smiled. My advice is, let's you and I have lunch every day until you feel a bit better, and you should talk to Ron. He's good about this stuff, surprisingly, and you should see a therapist. I know a really good one. It was Hermione, and she always knew what to do. He slumped in his chair, relief surging through him. As for sympathy, Hermione took Harry's hand in hers. I love you so much, Harry. I'm so sorry you're having a hard time. I know it doesn't fix anything, but you have so many people who care about you and I'm really, really glad you've reached out. The next few weeks passed strangely, in stops and starts of memories. Harry spent a lot of time lying on his sofa staring at his ceiling, but in his more lucid moments, he was grateful that Pansy and Seamus sat with him. I didn't realise he was fucked up, said Seamus once. He and Pansy tended to talk as if Harry couldn't hear them when he got like this. It was sort of true. He could hear them, but often only as if they stood very, very far away. "'Yeah, me too,' said Pansy. "'Makes me feel,' said Seamus. "'Yeah,' said Pansy. (laughs) "'Better, almost.' "'I felt like a right dick being so, you know, when he was totally fine.' "'Poor Harry,' said Pansy, and she ran a hand through Harry's hair. Harry closed his eyes and thought, idly, of Draco.' of Draco holding him and calling him a poor, sorrowful thing. He sat up. "'Oh, hello,' said Seamus. "'You hungry?' Harry shook his head. "'Tough,' said Seamus. "'You've got to eat, see?' "'Maybe there's some pasta left,' said Pansy, and went to go look. Harry got his phone. "'Having a bad time lately?' Draco texted back instantly. "'Shall I call? I'm in a meeting, but I will absolutely fake a bathroom emergency if needed.' Tell me that isn't friendship. Ha. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't need anything from you. Like, I don't think you can help. Just wanted you to know. I know the feeling. I'm glad to know. I sure I was there. We would get you a glass of water and be quite useless, and you would know I was trying very hard to help. Yeah. And you would say nice things to me. I can say nice things now, if you like. Yes. Draco took a long time to respond and he kept writing things, then deleting them. Finally, he wrote, you're the best person I know. If anyone deserves simple and enriching happiness, it's you. And I am convinced you will get it eventually. Convinced? Thank you. I'm less convinced than you, but thank you. Did you know, in ancient Egypt, linguistically loving wasn't something person A did to person B. It was something person B had in them that compelled person A to feel love for them. Sorry if this is confusingly expressed. Chet did Egyptology at Chicago, but I tune out a lot when he talks about it. Classic Chet. What I'm getting at is that people don't love you, Harry Potter. You make them love you. There is something in you that makes you fundamentally lovable, and that will bring you happiness. Harry stared at his phone, the letters blurring. Harry? Was that an incredibly naff thing to say? I'm sorry. No, no, no. Thank you. "'Got to go. Oh, okay. God, I really just went at you with the ancient Egyptian linguistics. Sorry, lol. Ignore me. Sorry again.' Late that night, it occurred to Harry to wonder why Chet had been talking to Draco about love, ancient Egyptian or otherwise. The thought made Harry snap his eyes open and stare in blank sorrow at the ceiling. "'I just feel like we've grown apart,' said Neville. "'Oh,' said Harry. They stood in Neville's kitchen. Neville had invited everyone around to watch some programme Harry had never heard of, and Seamus had insisted the Misery Household attend. I don't like that name for us, Harry had protested. Anyway, Seamus only wanted to go because Dean would be there. Harry and Pansy both knew that, and didn't know what to do about it. Nothing, I suppose, Pansy had said, when Harry asked her. We can't make them not get back together. So they had gone as a household, the Misery Household, and Seamus looked fucking hot, of course. Pansy had seen to that. He was at his loudest and brightest, and Dean stared at him from across the room, handsome and intent and longing. Blaze sat between Theo and Pansy. He kissed her on the cheek as he always did. If Harry hadn't known they were embroiled in a punishing romance narrative, he wouldn't have spotted the way Pansy looked at Blaze, uneasily trying to prove she was sober, or the way Blaze kept glancing at her when she wasn't looking. All of it made Harry miss Draco. He slipped away into the shiny kitchen, and that was how Neville got him alone, which, it transpired, was something Neville had been trying to do for a while. You can relax. I know about you and Draco, he said. If Neville had thought this would make Harry relax, he was mistaken. Yeah, said Harry, wishing he was home, wishing he was in New York, wishing he was in some different moment of his timeline. What do you know? That you were sleeping together, said Neville, before you went to New York, a while before. Harry stared at him. How did you know? He told me, said Neville. You guys still talk? Neville shook his head, looking frustrated. Breaking up with Draco seemed to have had no impact on whatever it was he was struggling with. His hair was scraggly, his eyes bloodshot. I just... I know what he must have told you, he said. About me. About how awful I was to him. Harry wondered if there was any polite way to tell your childhood friend, slash, the ex boyfriend of the man you wish you could have had the privilege to term an ex boyfriend, that you didn't really want to discuss his relationship with said man you were still madly in love with. No handy phrase came to mind. Harry waited, his hands resting behind him on the counter. Neville apparently took this for enthusiastic encouragement. He pulled out a chair from the kitchen table, sat, and leant his head on one hand. I didn't mean to be awful. And he wasn't perfect either, by the way. He never fucking told me anything. It was like dating a very polite teenager. Harry thought about Draco's quiet reserve. Remembered how Draco had treated Harry before they were friends. Like a teenager who didn't want to disappoint anyone. Draco sort of still is a teenager, said Harry. Yeah, said Neville. I know. He's... He shook his head again. Anyway, I didn't mean to fuck him up or whatever. I loved him. I still love him, I always will, you know. Shouldn't we get back to the sitting room? said Harry, desperately. I get these hallucinations, said Neville, and Harry sank back against the counter, resigning himself to his fate. I'm not sure that's the word, said Neville. He seemed, frankly, as if he was having a very bad day. I see them out the corner of my eye. It's my mum and dad. They sort of crawl around. I saw them on the tube a week ago. He caught his breath. Neville... Said Harry. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, it's fucked, but, like, I'm used to it. Hermione made me see a therapist, said Harry. You? said Neville. But you're perfect. Um, what? No, said Harry. Look, I'm trying to tell you something, said Neville. Uh, okay, said Harry. When my parents died in the war, I didn't know, said Harry. Neville waved his hand impatiently. It's, you know, Everyone in that ward died. Natural causes under Death Eater Watch. They fucking killed them, obviously. Killed anyone they didn't think would be useful in their grand new world. I don't know which Death Eaters. Could have been Lucius. I'm so sorry, Neville. And that's why I always thought when Draco and I were dating, and Mum and Dad would... You know, the hallucinations. I'd get back to Draco and think, Did your dad kill my parents? Your dad, who you still speak to, did you know about it? Were you involved? Harry didn't know what to say. Neville had his head in both hands now, was talking largely to the table. And then he would try to help, to talk to me about it, and i just... I just would be so angry with him. And he stopped trying, and that made me angry too, and I said a lot of stuff to him. Things were starting to fall in place in Harry's head. Draco's conviction, when Harry first went through a difficult period, that Harry couldn't possibly want him around. Draco's insistence on transforming into a kitten to give silent comfort. The deep hurt he had tried to hide when Harry made that offhand remark about him being a Death Eater, moments after Draco had held him and loved him. "'So why didn't you break up with him?' asked Harry. "'Because,' said Neville, sitting up to look at Harry with exhausted, reddened eyes. "'Because he's fucking amazing, isn't he? "'Because he's wonderful, because I loved him. "'Because when Mum and Dad went away, uh, the hallucinations, when they weren't there—' We were perfect. Except he was always scared that you would get angry at him, said Harry. I was angry at him. Aren't you? Harry shook his head, slowly. No, he said. Neville looked back at the table. Well, I didn't think I was either. He was scared it would be a problem when I first asked him out, and I said it wouldn't be. Because I thought it wouldn't be. I thought I was over it. Harry thought he was over it. Neville stood. Anyway, I just wanted to explain myself. Thanks, said Harry. You know, my therapist is really... I'm fine, said Neville. He hesitated. I like seeing them. It's better than nothing. I know that's fucked up. There wasn't anything to say to that. Harry let him leave. Harry didn't wait for the rest of the misery household... He called Draco as he walked home. He felt too rangely and restless to apparate. He needed to move. Harry Potter, cried Draco, when he picked up. Hey, someone Chet assures me is very famous bought me a coffee today. How famous? Less than you, don't worry, said Draco. Oh, good. Wouldn't want you to feel insecure. You with Chet now? No, I'm home for a bit. How's everything with you? I uh, just had a chat with Neville. Harry could feel Draco grow serious. Ah, is he well? Not really, no, said Harry. Oh, I thought Luna would be better for him. Maybe she is, I don't know, said Harry. We didn't talk about her, we talked about you. How ominous, said Draco, lightly. The thing is, said Harry, talking too quickly, because he had to get it out, even though it hurt. I really, really have no anger towards you, That time I said that thing about you in bed, it wasn't about you, it was just me being frustrated, but... Draco's voice was sharp and panicky. Harry, please don't, please. No, I'm not trying to... I'm not... just listen. I know I don't resent you, but you don't know that. All the way through our friendship, you've walked on eggshells. You're always scared I'll snap and say something hateful, and you'll always be scared of that. I didn't understand, Draco, I didn't understand how deep that went. He was walking so fast he was sweating, but it still wasn't fast enough. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I love you, but you can't be happy with me, and you so, so deserve to be happy with someone. I want you to be happy with someone. I want you to be happy. Draco didn't answer for so long that Harry actually checked his phone to see if the call had cut out. Draco? Yeah, I'm... I'm just... Give me a second. Harry waited. He slowed his pace, took a few deep breaths. He felt heartbroken and clean and brave. Thank you, said Draco. It sounded awkward, oddly formal. I... It's... Strange, hearing you say all that. That I deserve... Not to feel that way. In a relationship. Draco paused. It's... Meaningful. I love you, said Harry, earnestly, hoping that Draco would understand I love you more than romance. And Draco must have understood because he said, I love you too. Harry laughed, suddenly weak and so lonely. So I guess I'm going to start dating other people, he said. Neville was so sure it would be okay, said Draco, as if he was apologizing. But the things I did aren't... It would be normal if you hadn't forgiven me, in a secret corner of your heart. It would be healthy. It's madness to think you could be entirely over it. That it wouldn't come out like some kind of terrible, leaking poison when neither of us expected it. I did such bad things, Harry. I know myself, said Harry. But I can't see how you would be happy if that's what you were scared of. So like I said, (laughs) I'm going to sleep with a lot of people. God, said Draco, with a watery laugh. I'm sure you will. And you'll, began Harry. But we'll be friends, said Draco, perhaps sensing how little Harry wanted to say, find someone else. Weren't we? Always, said Harry. Chapter 16 Pansy wouldn't go clubbing with Harry, and neither would Seamus out of solidarity. He shouldn't have asked her, he told Harry. He made her sad. Harry felt stupid, but when he tried to apologise, Pansy looked at him like he was a worm. Why would I care? Go get fucked up, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to get fucked up, said Harry. In the end, he went with Jenny, because he was doomed to have bizarrely intimate friendships with the people who broke his heart, apparently. She's cute, said Ginny, pointing with her chin at a petite brunette on the dance floor. For me, not for you. Right we're here for me, though, said Harry. Oh, he's really hot. Where? Back off, I saw him first, said Jenny. I'm trying to get laid here, Ginny. Ginny pointed at a man who was humping the wall, occasionally licking it. How about him? Thanks so much. You've been a real help, said Harry, and went to go get a drink. It wasn't so hard in the end. Harry was cute, if he didn't talk to him too long and realise what a mess he was. He was obviously aware that the looks first, personality after, atmosphere of a nightclub served him well. The guy who bought him a drink was hunkier than Harry tended to go for, but maybe it would be nice to go for something so different from Draco. They made out, felt each other up a bit, and when the guy asked Harry if he wanted to come home with him, Harry said yes. "I'm leaving," he told Ginny, who was dancing with a very pretty boy. "Okay, I love you. Be safe," she said. It was a Muggle club. The man who had picked up Harry was called Will, and they walked home because the tube had stopped and Will lived nearby. Bracing night air swept away the fog of alcohol. "'What do you do?' asked Will. "'Uh,' said Harry, blankly, "'like, crime? I mean, I investigate crimes.' (laughs) "'Fine, don't tell me,' said Will, with a laugh. "'I'm a drama teacher.' "'Oh,' said Harry, "'I don't really like drama.' It was hard to think of what to say after that. Will had a long, sloping gait, and he walked with his hands in his pockets. "'You don't usually do this?' he asked. "'Is it that obvious?' "'You seem nervous.' "'I'm trying to get over someone,' said Harry. Will gave him a sympathetic look. "'Yeah, I feel you. Me and my boyfriend broke up last year. It was rough. "'Have you been with anyone since?' Harry shook his head. "'Okay.' Will cocked his head and smiled. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. It was sweet, it felt nice, even though it didn't mean much, because will had no conception of what Harry needed, of how little he had ever been cared for, and how much he seemed to need to make up for that initial lack. Harry felt terrible when they got back to Will's place. It was filled with posters for films Harry didn't recognize and it reminded him of how fundamentally he and Will didn't know each other. Do you want a drink? asked will. Harry shook his head. No, let's just... he said. Will came close, put a hand under Harry's chin, and tilted it up. Do you want to just go to sleep? You seem nervy. No, said Harry. I mean we can, if that's what you want. Will smiled. No, he said. I want to fuck you. Harry stared at him, wishing and wishing that this could be easy, comfortable, right... Wishing that Will loved him and he loved Will and they were home to each other. Wishing he had a home in someone. In Draco. Yeah, said Harry. Let's do that. Will was lovely. Slow and considerate of Harry's pleasure. Just lovely. Harry missed Draco physically, an ache in his chest. Sleep over? Asked Will afterwards. Yeah, said Harry. He slept badly. The next morning, Will made him coffee and breakfast and told him he wasn't looking for anything serious. Neither, said Harry. Well, if you're up for it, we could meet again. Uh, said Harry. Maybe, I I don't know. Will gave him an appraising look. Not as over him as you thought, he asked. Oh, I never thought I was over him, said Harry. When Ginny asked if he wanted to go clubbing again, Harry said no. He texted Draco. Slept with someone. Oh. Weird to tell you? No, no. So, so fine. Of course. How was it? Good. Different. Good because different? I don't know. I miss you. He backspaced. How's New York? I bought a bag of pistachios and it cost $14 and then I found an insect inside. (laughs) So business as usual. Very much so. But the end is in sight. Only three months till I get back. Halfway through... Will you see them again? The person you slept with? I don't know. Maybe. Are you... Sorry, scratch that. Am I... Sorry, no, nothing. Seeing anyone? That is the inappropriate and invasive question I was trying to ask, yes. Do you really want to know? Would you really tell me? I'd tell you anything. Okay. Maybe I'll hate myself later. Tell me. Three one-night stands, each more depressing than the last... I don't like sex with strangers. Just kept feeling like if I picked a different stranger, it's weird because they don't know you. So weird. Hateful. It's strange to be naked with someone who doesn't know, like, calling my tattoo cool. Oh shit. Yeah. Do you think it would be different if they were wizards? Uh, because, like they know about the war. Oh, maybe. Hang on, what did you think I meant? That you were asking me if I still think wizards are superior, I suppose. I told you. I won't ever question you about the war without warning you. Draco didn't answer for a long time. It's nice that Chet doesn't really know about the war. As in, he does. He doesn't think my tattoo is cool, Jesus. But he has no reason not to be generous to me and compassionate. He sounds nice. He's very nice to me. Is he gay? Unclear. Would you like him to be? Is this something you want me to answer? unclear. (laughs) Lol. Anyway, I hope you're feeling okay. After your sexual adventurousness. Thanks. You make it sound like I tried sex in a tree or something. Sex in a tree? My god, Harry. The equilibrium required. I shudder to think. have to go. House dinner. Misery household. Say hello from me. X. Harry was quite sure Draco fancied Chet. He tried not to think about it. In an effort not to think about it, he slept with Seamus. This was easy to arrange, it was reckless and stupid, so Seamus leapt at the chance. The sex itself was quite fun. They both kept laughing. But after it was over, Seamus rolled onto his back and was quiet for a long time, his arm over his eyes. "'Are you okay?' asked Harry. "'I love Dean so much,' he said, his voice cracking. "'Sorry,' said Harry, for not being him or whatever. When Seamus didn't respond or even move, Harry spoke again. I get it. It's lonely sleeping with someone when you're in love with someone else. Seamus lowered his arm to look at him. Forgot you were pining. Must be hard with how much Ginny gets around. Ginny doesn't anyway I'm not pining for Ginny, said Harry, outraged on several counts. Really? Everyone thinks you are. Harry listened to this statement long after it had been spoken. I don't know that our friend group has a good handle on who I am as an adult, he said, finally. Fair enough. Seamus sat up and put on his boxers. This was fucking sad. Want to do it again sometime? No? Sure. Pretty sure, said Harry. Seamus put on his jeans, then paused. Wait, so who are you pining for? Draco, said Harry, because it felt good to say Draco's name, whatever the context. Really? But you're you, and he bullied you all the way through school. It's complicated, said Harry, through his teeth. Oh, sure, said Seamus. I know, complicated. He looked unhappy for a moment, then smiled. You're a fantastic shag, by the way. Thanks, said Harry. You're not so bad yourself. Yeah? Yeah, said Harry. Really, um, really good. I've sometimes wondered, said Seamus, holding his shirt pensively to his chest. I thought maybe that's why Dean couldn't keep it in his trousers. Because I was rubbish in bed. You're not rubbish in bed, said Harry. And even if you were, there'd be no excuse. No, said Seamus. I suppose not. He glanced at Harry. He's not quite right in the head, Dean. He's not like he was. I kept hoping he'd be like he used to be. And it hurt him, I think. That I didn't want him as he is. Yeah, said Harry, blandly. How many ways there are to hurt someone, he thought. Guess who I slept with. If you say Ron. Ron? So not Ron. Oh my god, obviously not Ron. He's got a great body. He's my ex's brother and my best friend's boyfriend. You know what? Whatever. You and Ron have a weird dynamic. Excuse you, we have a great dynamic. Who did you sleep with then? Don't make me guess, it's actually quite a horrible game. Oh, sorry lol. Seamus. Seamus? Wow. Did not see that coming. Draco typed, then deleted several times. Okay. He's single. You're single. you have known each other for ages. Sounds perfect, maybe. No, it was sad. Are you okay? Apparently, compared to all the rest of our friends, I'm on top of the world. But are you okay? Yes. Harry tried not to type it, but he couldn't seem to stop his fingers. It made me miss you like mad. Oh, right. Sorry. Chet asked me out. Oh. Wow, that's so great. Yeah, it's- I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, of course. Hope it goes great. Uh, I have to go. Are you okay? Yes, I'm happy for you. You don't have to be saintly with me. Lol. I will be happy for you eventually. When I stop having all these pesky emotions. Is that better? Much. Should I not have told you? No, I'm glad you did. Got to go. X. Chet sounds like a twat. I hate Chet, said Ron firmly. He's actually lovely. I talked to him on the phone the other day and he was really nice, said Harry. Oh, nice, sure, said Ron. Ted Bundy was nice, said Hermione. Who's Ted Bundy? asked Ron. A famous serial killer. Ron widened his eyes and shook his spoon of ice cream at Harry. See? See? "'Chet's going to murder Draco!' It had taken Harry several weeks to admit to himself how unhappy he was and confess to Ron and Hermione. They had come over instantly with food and wine, and Ron had taken a strong and wholly unwarranted dislike to Chet. Because Chet was, in fact, perfect. He was funny and clever and ambitious. He radiated mental stability, yet treated Draco's fragile emotional state with tact and delicacy. He made Draco feel normal, lovable, worthy. Some of these things Draco told Harry— Others Harry found out when he interrogated Blaze at Millicent Bulstrode's bridal shower. Draco told me in confidence, said Blaze. Please, nothing you tell us, Slytherin is in confidence, said Harry, not unless explicitly stated. Such prejudice! But since you are so eager, yes. Chet's been good for Draco. They don't talk about the war at all. I believe Chet finds it rather tedious, in fact. So Draco's happy. Harry had known it was all over when Blaze looked at him gently. "'Yes,' said Blaze. "'I think Draco's happy.' "'Chet's not trying to murder Draco,' said Harry now. Hermione poured him some more red wine. "'I still hate him,' said Ron. "'I wish I could hate him,' said Harry. "'But honestly, if he treats Draco right, I can't.' A month before Draco was due to return to England, Pansy overdosed. Blaze found her, took her to St. Mungo's, sat by her bedside with Harry and Seamus, perfectly silent.' It was unsettling to see him so serious. When he spoke, it was like someone else had seized control of him. He was polite and unobtrusive and distracted, his eyes glued to her pale face. Once he looked at Harry. She's coming back with me, he said, if she's willing. Okay, said Harry. When Pansy awoke, she blinked confusedly at Blaze. Blaze? Pans, I love you. God, you scared me. It's really you. Yes, I should go back to sleep. It's all going to be okay. And Pansy, who never trusted anyone, smiled softly and closed her eyes, obedient and faithful as a child. Do you think it's true? Asked Seamus when they got home. Do you think she'll be okay? Harry thought of the solemnity with which Blaze had said it. Blaze, who was never serious. Yeah, I think so, said Harry. Harry was fast asleep when his phone rang. He sat up in bed, put on his glasses, and picked up. ''Hello?'' he said. His voice was scratchy with sleep. ''Oh fuck, I woke you,'' said Draco. ''Fuck, sorry, go back to sleep.'' ''No, no, no,'' said Harry, making himself comfortable against his pillows. ''What's going on? Are you okay?'' ''Heavy breathing.'' ''Draco? Did something happen with you and Chet?'' ''What? No, I I thought about calling Chet, but I just...'' ''What's wrong?'' Draco was silent for a long time before answering. It's... It's about my father, he said. Is he okay? asked Harry. Draco gave a strange half-laugh, half-sob. How are you so wonderful? I'm not, said Harry. My father tried to kill you. Is he okay, though? Draco gave another jerky laugh. No. Turns out a few years ago. During the war, he handled a cursed object, and it's done something to his lungs. He's got about five years left, which I'm sure you think is plenty, but Draco, he's your dad. That's the part of him that matters right now, yeah? God, said Draco, i woke work you up to talk about the war. I have no right to talk to you about the war. You can talk about anything with me, said Harry. Draco made a shuddery sound. Do you remember when you said I walked on eggshells around you? Yeah, it's true, but the funny thing is the eggshells never cracked, no matter what I said, except that once. Harry didn't know what to say to this, because Draco and Chet hadn't broken up, so he said nothing. He's in a lot of pain, said Draco, and my father, that's what's hard, because honestly Harry and my mother told me the first thing I felt was relief. Isn't that fucking awful? It's understandable, said Harry. "'I can't believe I just said it out loud,' said Draco, wonderingly. "'And to you. You must think... I don't know what you think.' "'Don't you?' asked Harry. "'Tell me, Draco. What do I think of you?' "'You're fond of me.' "'Draco.' "'I could stand it all quite easily if he wasn't in pain,' said Draco, and Harry forced himself with difficulty to remember that it wasn't all about him. "'When did you find out?' he asked. "'This afternoon.' Then I went to Times Square and just looked around for a while. All those lights. The men in masks. You poor thing, murmured Harry. I wish I was there. I wish I could take care of you. Draco began to cry. I shouldn't be talking to you about any of this, he said. Nonsense, said Harry. I'm sorry, said Draco, his voice thick with tears. I'm sorry I made fun of you for being an orphan. I'm sorry I called her Hermione... "'that, and tried to get Hagrid sacked and poisoned Ron, "'and that I I stomped on your face. "'I hurt you. "'I'm just so sorry, Harry. I, "'I wish I could cut myself off completely from who I used to be "'and bury him at sea, but I can't.' "'His voice became incomprehensible at this point, "'although he continued to speak. "'Draco, darling, I can't understand you,' said Harry. "'I shouldn't be talking to you about this,' said Draco. "'But I'm so glad you are,' said Harry.' And then Draco just cried, quietly, for several minutes. Harry said nothing, just waited. Draco's breathing slowly returned to normal. Thank you, he said, eventually. I wish I was there, said Harry. Why don't you ask Chet to come over? You want me to ask Chet over? I want you to not be alone when you're sad, said Harry. Harry... Draco couldn't seem to finish his sentence. What? I wish I had always respected you this much, said Draco, softly. Harry wanted to say something simple and wise, something like, the past is past, or there's no use worrying about what's done. But the sentiment wasn't true. The past did not stay in the past. It bled into the present, shaped the future. It mattered dreadfully. And yet Harry could still love Draco, as if Draco were some lovely plant grown in poisonous soil. The graceful, admirable result of something Harry hated. And if anyone deserved to find something to love out of the wall, wasn't it Harry? Are you still there? asked Draco. Yes. I'm sorry I lost it like that. How embarrassing. You're fine. I only ever seem to like you more anyway, said Harry. Draco laughed. He already sounded much better, much more composed. "'That's because you're starting from a pretty low point, liking me wise,' he said. "'True,' said Harry, and yawned. Draco heard it. "'God, what a selfish little shit I am,' he said. "'Go to bed. "'Thank you for picking up. "'I feel a lot better.' "'Good,' said Harry. "'You're sure you're okay?' "'I'm sure. "'Go to sleep. "'You're angelic.' "'Oh, fuck off,' said Harry. Goodnight. night." "'Night.' Harry settled down in his duvet. Draco would be back in three weeks. If Harry had wanted to get over Draco during his absence, he had completely and utterly failed. That was part eight of Scaredy Cat, written and read by Gala Pisidia. Tune in next week for part nine. Don't forget you can join my newsletter, if you like, at newsletter.galapod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app, or share it with a friend who you think might like it. I also have an Instagram at let them eat books with underscores instead of spaces where I post reviews of the books I read. So please say hello on there. Thank you for listening.